Grab your musket, grab your red dancing shoes, grab your night vision goggles. Welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie on this podcast. I am usually watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. But since it's the end of the month, we're jiggling over here on the Community Jiggle episode for January. And we're going to be talking about some Aqua Teen stuff, some community stuff, all sorts of stuff. So I'm very excited to jump into it. These episodes are a way for me to catch my breath at the end of the month and reflect on the episodes that we did cover, which is nice because every single time after I finish an episode, I'm like, oh, I forgot to mention this, or I should have said that, but now I have a spot to do that all cleanly in one place, so I'm excited for that, as well as reading through your thoughts on the episodes and all that good stuff. So before we jump into our Aqua Teen news for the week, which we do actually have some this week, I want to mention that over on the Patreon feed at the $5 and up level, there is currently an episode in there of me jumping into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters about the first nine minutes of the movie. But I also hit on the history of the film, the making of, the promotion of it, all that kind of stuff that you would expect someone to talk about when talking about that movie. I touch on there. And yeah, the first nine minutes at the end of every month, I'm going to continue to dive into that movie until we finish that thing up, until we've talked about every second of it. So yeah, if you're looking for more deep dives from me, definitely head on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden to check that out or check the show notes for more information. So over on the Patreon feed, like I said, we we're talking about the film and that leads us into our Aqua Teen news for this week because on that episode, I did a lot of research about the 2007 Aqua Teen Hunger Force Moon Knight Boston bomb scare. And, you know, I was looking at the dates and stuff, but I wasn't really thinking about it. Well, come to find out today, the day that this episode releases, January 31st of 2022, marks the 15th anniversary of this event. And to commemorate it, over on InputMag.com, Alana Gordon wrote up this fantastic, amazing article about the entire thing and the aftermath of it up until today. So if you want to learn about this event, definitely check the show notes. I'm putting a link to this article there. She did a wonderful job, and I only wish that I had a time machine so I can go back in time and tell myself the night that I was researching this. Dude, hold on, wait a minute, because someone's about to put all this out in an article that will save you a ton of time, so don't research this right now. But yeah, she does a great job. And at some point, I will cover the Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode, Boston, which was the unfinished, unreleased, but eventually leaked episode about this event. So I will, I will kind of reiterate her article there if you decide not to read it. But if you want to know all the information now, read it now. Over on the Patreon episode, I did touch on the Boston bomb scare, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it because I know I will be talking about it at some other point when we cover the Boston episode. That episode being season five, it was supposed to be episode one, but again, it was never officially released, but we do have access to it now. And really quick, let me just mention, in case you don't know what the Moon Knight Boston bomb scare was, there was a guerrilla marketing campaign to promote the 2007 film, which involved putting up these LED kind of like light bright Moon Knight signs around all these cities around the United States. And in Boston, the police department mistook them for bombs and they, you know, reacted to it as if they were bombs and shut down a bunch of highways and they just made a big deal about it. They were exploding these things and all this stuff because they, again, thought they were bombs. And it's just a really interesting history because when I first hear about that, I'm like, yeah, I guess I could kind of see that. But there's all these other cities that didn't react to it this way. They knew what they were. And yeah, there's just history with the Boston PD that uh, 
kind of shows that they weren't on the top of their game at this period. For example, a month later, a month after the bomb scare, they blew up another suspicious bomb, which turned out to be their own traffic counter. So, yeah, just a huge overreaction. But, hey, they did get Aqua Teen some advertisement with that, so I guess it kind of worked, just not in the way intended. So something else I want to mention about all this anniversary business is that we got a new picture of Matt and Dave standing together in front of two of the Ignignoct original LED signs. So that's pretty cool. And we get to see how these guys are looking as of a month ago. That's It says when the picture is from. And both these guys looking good. Matt has grown his hair out like a cool guy. And I get the feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of these two together because of all of the Aqua Teen stuff coming out this year, which of course we will always be going over on this show because what the fuck else are we going to talk about? All right. So there are three little fan things I want to mention real quick before we move into our episode by episode discussions, which we will be covering everything we covered this month. So that will be Super Birthday Snake, Superhero, and Super Bowl. But before that, I want to shout out a new Aqua Teen podcast has entered the arena. A new challenger has appeared. We have 612 Wharf Avenue, which is, yeah, a similar podcast to this one going through the Aqua Teen episodes. This being hosted by our buddy Master Shane, a.k.a. Young Meatwad. You've heard some of his voice clips played at the beginning of some of these episodes recently. And yeah, he's, he's a, a young fan of the show, and he's given the old podcasting business a try talking about these episodes, similar to how we do. So I think that his podcast is only on Spotify, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys listen on Spotify. So check out 612 Wharf Avenue. I think Shane's doing a good job over there. It's fun to hear an Aqua Teen podcast not made by myself. I, I, I know what the experience is like for you guys now. As of this recording, Shane has up two episodes. He covered Rabot and Escape from Leprocopolis, and it looks like he is working on his coverage for Bus of the Undead. The cool thing about this podcast is Shane says that he's going to be going through it in the order of the DVDs. So some things will be kind of moved around a bit. Like, for example, the last two episodes of season one won't come until a bit later. I think that's kind of interesting. So again, that is 612 Wharf Avenue. Of course, all of the things mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes. Next up, I want to talk about how while researching for the episode Superhero, I ran across this old Aqua Teen fan page from 2002, 2003 or so. It is called Audra's Aqua Teen Hunger Force page. And I, I looked and she had her whole website. It was a GeoCities page that linked to all sorts of her fan pages for other Adult Swim shows. So just really cool to see something made back at this period that we are covering. And she even has some transcripts that she did. She sat down and transcribed full episodes. I assume she would tape them on VHS off of the TV and then go back and rewatch them and, and type them out. So some real dedication here. Cool to see what Aqua Teen fans were doing at the time. And I actually spent a lot of time going down this rabbit hole of her page and all of her other pages. Just It's just fascinating to see this time capsule. And yeah, of course, the link for this will be in the show notes. I, I'm not going to read you the GeoCities link for it, but her page does linked to a which Aqua Teen Hunger Force character are you and I clicked on it and it if, unfortunately it doesn't work it just brings you to AOL.com at this point it was probably a fan thing that somebody made on AOL's kind of uh, web page hosting service that is no longer a thing anymore but again yeah I, I just wanted I just wanted to mention this because it's really cool to see so I would suggest you check it out just some of her favorite quotes from the episodes and stuff like that. It peters out after season three. There's only one entry for season three. And she has some updates from 2004 about the page. But uh, yeah, the last update was November 30th of 2004. And then 
seems like Audra kind of moved on with her life from from running this Aqua Teen fan page. But through some uh, Googling and research, I believe I found her Twitter page that, that is active. So I'm kind of thinking about maybe reaching out to her and just, just doing a quick little interview of just, hey, you know, like, do you watch Aqua Teen anymore? What was your history with it? All this stuff. It's just, I don't know, just interesting to see what other fans were up to since, you know, I'm sitting here blabbering and jabbering about Aqua Teen all day in 2022 and you're sitting here listening. It's cool to see what other people were doing over two decades ago in regards to their Aqua Teen fandom. So there's that. Just uh, again, check the show notes for the link to our website if you're interested. The last little thing I want to mention is over on Instagram, user Austin underscore Cornell did a drawing of Master Shake as Venom Snake from Metal Gear Solid. So really cool to see that. I, I love seeing when people take the Aqua Teen characters and put them into other fandoms, I guess. And what I like about this is Metal Gear Solid is a stealth series, and I'm a big stealth fan. I'm not really big on the Metal Gear Solid games, but being a big Splinter Cell fan, you guys know this. There is some Splinter Cell fan art of Master Shake. We now have Master Shake as Sam Fisher and Master Shake as Snake. So really cool to see all that stuff. You can see that image. There'll be a link to it in the show notes, of course. So, all right, that is our community news for right now. Of course, I'll be mentioning some other stuff in next week's episode when we cover Supercomputer. But moving on, let's talk about the episodes we did cover this past month. So, as you know, this month started our coverage of season two of the show, which starts with Super Birthday Snake. And I asked you guys on Instagram what you thought about this episode, and we got some responses. Our friend Edgar.Allen.Emery said, I liked how it was morbid, but still had that Aqua Teen Hunger Force charm, which I agree. It did that really well in that episode. It was trying something new, being a really dark episode, even darker than Happy Time Harry, but it still had the Aqua Teen charm to it. Very well said. It felt like the show that was set up in season one. It didn't just feel like a big tonal shift, which they ran the risk of doing. A lot of responses were loving the Drunk Meatwad, which is a classic. I'm not sure if we see Drunk Meatwad again. I know we see High Meatwad in Munawana, but I don't know if we'll see a Drunk Meatwad again. I guess we'll uh, keep our eyes out and see. Maybe we will. Last but not least, I want to read you a quick comment from Space World Snuff. And Space World said, all-time classic, which the reason I want to read this one is, for me, this episode wasn't anything special initially, but after I covered it, I just really got this huge appreciation for it. And seeing how much everyone else liked it, I, I just never really thought of this one as a hit, but it, it totally is. And yeah, I, I love this episode. So that's all I have for Super Birthday Snake. I want to say that going forward, our future community jiggles will be a little bit more in depth because throughout the past couple of months, I've been putting this idea together. So now that I know what I want to do, I can actually write these things down ahead of time so that I'll have more to discuss next time. So just please keep that in mind that in the future episodes, I'll have more to say because I know how I want to document things now. A lot of it was me like, oh, I'll remember to say that. And then now it's like, well, I don't remember what I was trying to remember <laughs> that I wanted to talk about. So yeah, I'll, I'll just be writing everything down down next time and we'll have more to talk about so moving on to superhero weird mountain had this to say i love how it uses body horror tropes as pure comedy same with supermodel yeah they really come into their own with that this season with both of these episodes obviously supermodel we haven't discussed yet but yeah shake's body just becomes horrible and and it kind of happens again in super bowl when he becomes fat with the cystic acne or whatever that is all over his face and he's overweight and stuff they really mess around with shake specifically his body 
in these episodes, which they couldn't really do in season one because they didn't have the budget for it. They couldn't keep making all these new shake assets. It just had to be the normal shake. But now we get fat shake, melting shake, supermodel shake, all sorts of stuff. So thank you, Weird Mountain, for that comment because it got me thinking about this in a way that I'd never did before. So I'll be interested to see more instances of this throughout the run of the show, specifically this season as well. I know I talked about it in last week's episode. At least I'm pretty sure it was last week's episode. But I did a poll on Instagram asking which season two episode you guys preferred, if it was Superhero or Super Birthday Snake, and Super Birthday Snake won. And I got a great comment from Carl Needs a Job on Instagram saying, shit, that's hard. Birthday Snake has such a good opening, but Hero has a pretty solid ending. And yeah, this is a great observation and one that I'm disappointed I didn't mention on the podcast that Super Birthday Snake, the whole thing I think is really solid, except for the end, uh, just not crazy about these whole uh, it never happened thing. Of course, it's silly and it's not like I hate the ending, but superhero for as meandering as the episode is, the ending is classic Aqua Teen because we have the continuity of the worms that at the beginning of the episode get thrown into the toxic waste at the very end. Then they break into the house and cause all this chaos. So really good ending on superhero for what is otherwise, like I said, just a meandering episode. Not a whole lot happens, but the ending is really tight and smart, I feel like. And again, with more than just the worms, Meatwad shows Shake what he now looks like because he's been melting throughout the episode, and then he screams, and we get that funny joke. So just a really interesting duality between the two episodes in how they present themselves. But Super Birthday Snake being the superior episode, I think, is safe to say. So thank you, Carl Needs a Job, for reaching out to me with that insight. Really appreciated it. And guys, check out Carl Needs a Job on Instagram because Honestly, I think he is my favorite Instagram artist. I really love his art style. It's very unique. My understanding is he uses trash and stuff that he finds to do these drawings or, or paintings, or I'm not even sure what, what the title would be for these, but it's, it's just incredible. I'm, I grew up loving David Firth, the guy who did Salad Fingers and a bunch of other things. And this is really like in that vein, I think. I, I'm just really enamored with his artwork. And one of these days, I'll have to pick up a piece because I just love seeing everything he does. And also on his Instagram, he always includes these little making of videos. So you see him actually make it too. It's just super fun to watch. And I'm somebody with no artistic skill, really. So it's just pure alchemy watching him create something from nothing this way. So check that out. Carl needs a job. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I've got a few corrections for Superhero. One thing I wanted to mention and that I failed to mention was on the television when Dave Willis is playing a news reporter, that reporter has a name. It is Zach Proctor because on the television, it says Zach Proctor reporting for channel 17. So something I forgot to mention. And then something I want to point out is it shows Shake setting fire to all these buildings, but Shake looks just gigantic compared to these buildings. If you actually think about how tall these buildings would be in real life, Shake is about half of the height of the buildings, which is crazy to actually think about. I love seeing the height discrepancies in the show. For example, sometimes Meatwad is bigger, sometimes he is smaller. Just fun to see how they stage things for certain shots to get them to work. And then something I failed to go into in that episode was when Shake pulls the shirt out of the box, like he ordered all this swag that he's going to wear while on television, and there's all the villains on the shirt. I didn't really describe any of them. So there's a D in a thundercloud that is raining down on all the villains. That's the top of the shirt. We see there's a bank and there are some bank robbers outside the bank. We have a man in a white shirt who is mugging a man in a green shirt. We have what looks to be Jason. It looks like somebody wearing a hockey mask with a chainsaw. Then there's a there's a guy sitting on a curb. I assume he's maybe loitering or he is supposed to be homeless or something. 
there's a man maybe who's supposed to be hitler who is standing there holding a newspaper over his head to block the rain i say i think he's hitler because it looks like he has a little hitler mustache but i'm not sure then we have two rival gangs what looks like uh kind of holding guns at each other but they're holding umbrellas there's a guy breaking into a green car and at the bottom right, there are what I assume some prostitutes. So so the drizzle is even raining out the prostitutes. They can't make their living. Shake has to put a stop to that. Which makes me think a good villain that the drizzle could fight would be Carl as a superhero because he loves prostitutes. So naturally, he would be against the drizzle and he would rise up against him because Carl has never had consensual sex that he did not pay for. So all right, that's superhero. Let's move on over to Super Bowl. And I have a correction on that one. Nobody nobody pointed this out or said anything to me, but I was saying Angela D. Doze with a D instead of a T. It's Angela D. Toes. So why I was doing that, I don't know. I mean, I was reading the bag and I, I looked at it and stuff, so I don't understand why. I was just saying Angela D. Doze. Not really sure what I was doing there, but uh, that's what I was doing. And I appreciate that nobody called me out for it. On Instagram, I posted about this episode saying, if you had two tickets to the Super Bowl, who would you bring? And then I kind of went on from there describing the episode. And Anna Selheim commented saying, I would sell them to Carl because he is the only one with any money. Which, yeah, if Miwat doesn't even know what the Super Bowl is, why wouldn't he just sell the tickets to Carl and get some money and buy more Angeladitos? That's really what he wanted. That's all he cared about at the beginning of the episode was the Angeladitos. So... Yeah, kind of kind of a good question there, but I suppose if that was the case, then there would be no Super Bowl episode. So on Instagram, I got a message from Trey, who is at T-A-A-B-A-H underscore. Trey hit me up with this really good message about Super Bowl that I want to read to you. Trey said, love the episode. Fun fact, Shake tells Meatwad that he ain't touch him skin to skin, which contradicts the episode PDA when Romulox says Shake had the knockoffs. So are Shake's hands yellow or are they gloves? So Trey raising an awesome, incredible question here, and I looked up the transcript for PDA, and here's how that conversation goes. Master Shake to Romulok says, and hey, oh, nice gloves. Where'd you get those? And then there's an interruption for a while because Romulok is on the phone, and then Master Shake brings it back up. He says, I was just saying about the gloves. Romulok says, oh, these, yeah? They're the original yellows. Oh, I didn't see your knockoffs there. Nice. You going for that ironic look or the, look, I don't have any money look. And then Shake says, I don't know, which one would you do? So that's all we get regarding that. And yeah, it's kind of up for you to decide, I think, if Shake really had gloves, if those were supposed to be gloves or if those were his hands. It's not really clear, but the fact that he is commenting on Rami Lox's gloves makes me think that they were in that episode supposed to be gloves that he wears, which makes me wonder what his hands really look like. But yeah, like Trey said, then in Super Bowl, Shake is saying how he doesn't want to touch Meatwad skin to skin, so that's his skin. You know, if those were gloves, then that wouldn't be an issue. So just a good question. Obviously, this is very nonsensical, but it's just fun to think about because these episodes aren't that far apart, and there's a huge discrepancy there. So thank you, Trey, for reaching out to me. I feel like a dick because when when Trey sent that, I just heart reacted it. I'm like, oh, I'll get back to this later. And then I, I didn't until now. I just hit him up asking if I could share his message. And thank you, Trey, for being cool with it. Next up, Sean sent me this great message about the Super Bowl. Sean said, Hey, Ronnie, I was listening to the Super Bowl episode and I wanted to explain something, if that's cool. The NFL actually announces the location of the Super Bowls a few years in advance, so the writers very well could have known about the Detroit Super Bowl in 2003. So thank you, Sean. I think I mentioned in the episode that maybe they could have known, but this actually got me to look it up. And as of 2022, we know where the 2025 Super Bowl is, and that's three years away. So if they actually wrote this in 2003, then it is definitely possible 
that they knew where the 2006 Super Bowl was going to be. So this kind of raises the question of when exactly was the episode Super Bowl written? We don't know. This is just something I'm going to have to ask Dave or Matt if I ever get to talk to them. Like, hey, did you just pull this city out of your ass? Or were you actually referencing a Super Bowl three years in the future? To me, it seems really weird that they would be like, hey, where's the Super Bowl three years from now? Let's talk about that in this episode. But if that is indeed the case, then we do have a timeline and we do know that this episode does take place in 2006. But I, that just doesn't seem like something that they would think about. I think they may have just pulled it out of their ass. Or I guess a possibility is maybe earlier that day or that week or whatever, they heard where the 2006 Super Bowl was announced and that was in their mind. I don't know. Again, I'll just have to ask them. I want to say that if this is indeed the Super Bowl that Meatwad had tickets to, that would be Super Bowl 40, which was the Seattle Seahawks against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers won that 21 to 10. So thank you, Sean, for this Super Bowl information. And that's it for our three episodes that we covered this month. Some great episodes, and I'm just so excited to keep on going with this season because, again, it's my favorite season of the show, which is easy to say because it's the longest season. I think there's a good argument for season one versus season two to be had because they're both kind of similar in length, season two being a little bit longer. But, you know, how can you compare season two to like season five, which is only nine episodes, or season six, which is 10 episodes? Like, how can you compare 10 episodes to 20 something episodes? You just can't. So, yeah, I mean, very uncontroversial opinion to love season two, but yay, I'm excited for it. So for the rest of the episode, I'm just going to talk about what I have been up to. Think of this like my audio diary, maybe just letting you guys know what I've been checking out. And if anybody finds anything cool, let me know. I can talk about other people here, too. It doesn't just have to be about me. If you have like any big events or something going on, let me know. I can talk about it here. So this past month, what have I been watching? I started a show called Rust Valley Restorations on Netflix. I just like randomly clicked on it, which the thing is, okay, so the show is about, it's these Canadian guys who are fixing up cars and then selling them. Fixing up as in fully restoring them. It's really nice hot rods and stuff like that. It's not just like fixing up someone's Toyota Corolla or something. And I am not into cars at all. In the words of Mitch Hedberg, I know a lot about cars. I can look at it and tell you which way it's going. That's about it for me. Never been big into cars, but I really connected with this show. I really liked it because the guys are so passionate about what they're doing. So even though I don't know what they're talking about some of the times and I'm not interested in cars themselves per se, just seeing the excitement from the main guys on the show just really kept my interest. And it goes to show that as long as you're passionate about something, people will pay attention to your passion regardless of what it is about because it's just so infectious to see someone that excited about something. And speaking of Netflix, I'm thinking about canceling Netflix because they announced a price increase recently and they just keep raising the prices over the years. I've been subscribed to it for over 10 years at this point, but it's like I don't really watch Netflix. I don't want I don't watch a whole lot of TV at all to be honest, besides Aqua Teen, of course. And that's probably why I'm watching Aqua Teen all day, but I've never been like super big into TV. There's periods where I'll watch a lot of stuff, like I just watched that Rust Valley show, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm paying, you know, it's going to be like 15 a month or something like that for something I don't really watch. My fiance watches it. She watches Grey's Anatomy on it mainly, and they have that on Hulu. So I might just get a Hulu subscription because that is cheaper. And I'm using a friend's account for Hulu right now, but I'd kind of like to have my own account. So that's kind of like two birds, one stone thing. Save some money and have my own Hulu account because they have, yeah, just more shows that I'm interested in than Netflix because Netflix, 
they're kicking out almost everything that they don't make themselves and i'm not super interested in their own stuff sure they have a good hit once in a while there's something i like once in a while that they do but i mean i for the most part i'm somebody who just likes to watch stuff that i watched as a kid or whatever and netflix doesn't have a ton of that i mean you could probably tell by me doing this aqua teen podcast Otherwise, some shows I usually watch are I'm watching through South Park with my fiance. I mentioned that in a previous episode. Nathan, for you on HBO Max. HBO Max is like the main thing I've been watching in terms of like app, I guess. And then on Hulu, watch some Married at First Sight, just some good trashy kind of reality TV where people get married. You guessed it at first sight and usually it doesn't work out. and It's a fun time. So speaking of thinking about canceling Netflix, I actually, as of today, just canceled my Spotify account. I was with them for 10 years as well and just not a fan of where the company is going. First of all, they don't pay artists well at all, really. But yeah, there's this Joe Rogan stuff going on and and maybe that prompted me to consider canceling Spotify. But the more I thought about it, I don't like their approach to podcasts. And I'm not really saying this as a podcast maker, I guess, or a podcaster, I guess it's called. But as a podcast listener, I don't like the way that they are buying up small networks and then making it exclusive to their platform. Because as I've said, I don't like the Spotify app for podcasts. I never have. I mean, that was the first podcast app I used in like 2017. And then I got Podcast Addict. Uh, It's only on Android, but it's a great app. You should check that out. I got that and I never looked back. I have no reason to ever leave Podcast Addict because that app is incredible. But then when I look at Spotify for podcasts, it's like they haven't really added any new features since 2017. And just the fact that you can't bring in other RSS feeds on it. And yeah, what they're doing is trying to get everyone on their app for podcasts. And then it's like, okay, well, if, if your podcast isn't on Spotify, then nobody's ever going to listen to you. And the cool thing about podcasts is they are decentralized. The idea is you can listen on any app and they're trying to kind of change that. So not a fan of that and just where the company is going as a whole. So I am trying out Tidal right now, which I am liking. I'm having a lot of fun with. The audio quality is better. If I really notice that, I don't know. I mean, I'm a musician. I have nice headphones and stuff, but I've never really been one to be able to notice at the high end what these minute differences are. But hey, I'll take their word for it. But I like the title pays the artists more. So just kind of having fun exploring that and importing my playlists. There are tools that do it for you. Just that kind of stuff. But yeah, for me, it's just, yeah, I don't like that Spotify is buying up all these podcast networks and then trying to put it all exclusive to their platform. I think it's pretty scummy. So now that we've hit on music, what have I been listening to this month? I've been listening a lot to a band called Dry Jacket, their album Going Out of Business, which is their newest album. They only have two albums. They're like a Midwest emo kind of band. I'll play you a quick snippet so you can get an idea. Someone ought to knock you down a couple of pegs. So that is the first song on the album. That song is called Joe Luck. And the reason I'm even bringing this up to you is because it's really interesting because I was a fan of their first album called For Posterity when that came out. And then I was really excited for this new album that came out about two years ago at this point or almost two years ago. And when it came out, I just did not like this album. And I hate to say it, but I did not. I was really disappointed in this thing. And for some reason, 
or another, I would just keep coming back to it. And one song would catch my attention. Another song would catch my attention. And now I'm at the point to where I love the entire album top to bottom. So it's just always great when initially you don't like a piece of music or any media, I guess. And then you eventually come to love it. Just really interesting the way that happens. A lot of my favorite bands, I did not like at first or I explicitly disliked. And then I just kept coming back to them and then eventually just ended up liking them more and more. And that's definitely the case with this album. And I think it's honestly their best album now. I like it more than Ford Posterity, the album that I initially loved. So that's Dry Jacket. Check them out. Both their albums are really great. Otherwise, a band I love called Cloakroom put out a new album a couple days ago. So I've been loving the singles from that one for the past couple months. But now the full album is here. I've listened to it a few times at this point. I've been busy, you know, with the Patreon podcast and this one. So I couldn't listen to it a ton. But the few times I was able to listen, I really liked it. And I think it's their best album. So I'll play you a clip of that as well. This clip wouldn't suggest it, but they're a pretty heavy band. Like they have a really big sludgy sound. So this album is a big departure from that, but it still mixes in with the sound that they're known for. So I think they do a great job. And the singer Doyle, he is uh, experimenting with his voice a little more. Just a great time. I haven't been buying many records anymore lately, uh, mainly because I can't afford it, but also because I basically have everything that I want at this point. But when I first heard that single, this this was the first single from the album. I'm like, all right, I got to buy that because this is going to be amazing. And yeah, the, the whole album really lives up to this single and I'm excited to listen more to it. But last but not least, what have I been playing this month? What video games? And I got to say... I found this new game called Slay the Spire, which is a deck building roguelike game. So basically you start the game with barely any cards in your deck. And as you progress throughout the game, you get more cards and eventually you can beat it in about an hour. And once you beat it, you just kind of start over again because it's a, a roguelike game. But also if you lose one battle, you just die and you have to start over from scratch again. And this game is just really tickles my brain in a way that nothing else has in a long time. I could not put this game down. If I'm not working on the podcast or doing something I need to be doing, like uh, chores or whatever, or uh, spending time with my fiance, I am playing this game. I just cannot stop playing it. I am. I, I bought it on Switch initially, and then I picked it up on the phone because I had a bunch of Google Play credits. And then I bought it on my computer too because I'm just so into this game. I really want to support the developers. And across all the versions, I probably have about 60 or 70 hours in the game that I, I just got it this month, which I, I, I never play games that much. But yeah, I have about 60 hours and I feel like I am just barely scratching the surface of the, of the game. There's just so much depth to it. I'm just having a great time. So slay the spire. Stay away from it if you want to be productive in your life, if you, if you want to have free time, because this game will put all of that to bed because uh, <laughs> you will want to do nothing else but play it. Otherwise... As always, I'm always playing Overwatch with my friends and my fiance. That's kind of like my social thing that I do is play Overwatch with friends. And that's been going all right. You know, you, you get some bad teammates sometimes. It gets frustrating, but uh, it is what it is. Otherwise, I've been playing through Shin Megami Tensei 5, the new Shin Megami Tensei game that I was really looking forward to. I talked about it in a previous episode and Slay the Spire has just like made it so I have barely been playing through SMT, honestly. <laughs> uh, I hate to say it because I, I spent 60 bucks on that SMT game when it was announced because I'm a huge fan of the franchise and the new game like I'm pretty early on in it still I have maybe 20 hours in it but I'm trying to 100% complete everything before I move on to the next sections 
but I'm not like super enthralled by it as much as I thought I would be, but I will finish it. It is a very great game. They do a lot of things right in it. I'm just not a super big fan of the setting, which is kind of, this isn't a spoiler really. It's just all set in, the main setting is you're a high school student and there's a lot of that kind of aspect. I think because the same company, Atlas, makes the Persona games, which are spinoffs of SMT. I think they kind of try to put some of that setting into SMT and I just don't really care for that a whole lot here. To be fair, the original SMT games were with high school students like that. So it is kind of a callback in a way as well. It's not like they're just trying to be like Persona. But all of the other SMT games I've gotten really into were not that setting at all. So I think that's why I'm having a hard time adjusting. But yeah, I'll finish it. The gameplay is good. And I think they did a great job on the game. It's just not really for me, maybe in, in that aspect, the setting. But I'm still early on in the game, so I can't fully critique it yet. I've been hesitant to say anything to anyone about it whenever people ask me my thoughts on it so far because I, I'm just too early in. And I want to say I, I have over 20 hours in it, but still, I think that's too early to really give an opinion on it. But all right. Yeah, that's really it. Uh, before I sign off, though, if you're still listening, of course, you a real one. And to reward you, I'm going to do a little sticker giveaway right here, right now. The way that this will work is I want you to rate or review the show wherever you get it. And then send me a screenshot of that either on Twitter, Instagram, email, check the show notes for all of my contact information. Just get it to me however. And then at the end of this week, I will take all of those screenshots and I will pick 10 people randomly and send you stickers for free. Okay? Some Dancing is Forbidden stickers. And maybe I'll throw in an Aqua Teen sticker or two, uh, depending on my mood. So please only send me your screenshot if you are comfortable sending me your address if you win. I, I don't want to have to sort through people like, oh, I actually don't want stickers. You know, of course, if you just want to rate or review the show, I appreciate that uh, without sending me a screenshot. And I, I do see them. I do look at the iTunes one. I guess that's mainly it. I, I look at the Spotify stars as well, but that's not as in-depth. And thank you to those who already have rated and reviewed the show. I mean, it doesn't help people find the show, but if people look at my page and there's more five stars there or whatever, and, and people saying nice things, I think that helps people uh, subconsciously want to listen to the show. I don't know. But yeah, I appreciate you guys who have left ratings and reviews. At one point, I would like to read out the reviews because there are some just really incredibly nice things written on there about the show. But yeah, so if you would like your chance to win some free stickers, then just rate or review the show, take a screenshot and send it to me and I will enter you at the end of the week. I will pick 10 winners who will get stickers for free. Okay, simple as that. So that's it for me. If you would like to hear me deep dive into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, if you're missing my deep dives this week, head on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, where paired with these community jiggle episodes, I will be diving on over there into the Aqua Teen film. And then once that film is done, we will jump into the new film whenever that comes out, which I suspect will line up nicely with the film coverage of the first movie. So, all right. Thank you for listening. Of course, thank you to all of the patrons who support the show. And a super thanks to Sean, Ian, Josh, and our new number one in the Hood G tier patron, Keenan, for being super donors to the show. I appreciate you guys a lot. I will shout Keenan out properly on next week's proper episode when we dive in to super computers. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Keep it cool. Bye bye. <laughs>